Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. This morning's reading is from Galatians 5, verses 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Good morning, church. My name's Andrew, in case you haven't met me before. I'm part of the team here for a little while longer. Just a few more days. Uh, My grandmother was someone who could be described as someone who walked with God. And it frustrated my dad no end that my grandmother was someone who walked with God. See, she became a radical Christian, um, converted in her 60s um, and discovered Jesus, fell in love with him and her life completely transformed. As far as I can look back in my history, uh, my history goes back to Italy and Austria. um, And I don't know of anyone who was a Christian looking back. The first, you know, Christian was was my grandmother Caroline, dad's mum. And, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but when I'd go and visit Caroline, my grandmother, she would tell me stories from the Bible. She'd read the Bible to me when I was a young, you know, a children's story Bible and so forth. She, she started that, uh, she planted that seed of faith in my life. But it frustrated my dad terribly. Let, let me explain. She lived in a little granny flat on her own um, in, uh, in North Taramara. She actually used to attend Taramara, our campus up there. And she lived just across the road. There was a driveway that went down and she lived on the granny flat underneath. And she, uh, she had a little garden that she used to tend and she just loved her little spot. I'd go there once a week for dinner. Um, and it came to the time where the house was being sold and so Caroline had to move out. Grandma had to move out. And, and so Dad would take Caroline out every Saturday to look at, at, at flats, at apartments, somewhere that she could move to. And, and in typical fashion, my, my grandma would say to Dad, uh, look, God and I have been talking and, and, <laughs> and he, he told me that he's got this space for me where I can walk out onto the grass and there'll be a beautiful garden that I'll be able to plant out. And, um, and I just know he'll provide it. And Dad, every Saturday, would take her out and sure enough, nothing like this existed <laughs> at that time, right? We're talking the, uh, the, probably the late 80s. Um, now there's a proliferation of apartment blocks. And so every Saturday they'd go out and she'd just say, no, no. Oh, but that, and Dad would say, but this one's fantastic. Look at the view of, over here. No, but you can see all the trees. No, no, God and I have been talking and he's going to provide. I'll be able to walk out from the lounge and onto the grass and there'll be a little garden there. And the time is ticking because uh, they sold the house and Caroline had to be out of the house by a certain date. Um, and for some reason, I don't think Dad was keen to have her move back in with him. <laughs> Um, 
And so dad was fretting. Uh, what are we going to do with grandma if we don't find something? She's being so stubborn. It infuriated him. And then it came to like the last Saturday before she had to move out. And the thing was that every Saturday, grandma would say, no, no, no. But she was just relaxed about it. She was totally at peace. When dad was getting all riled, she was just completely relaxed. And so they went out for this last Saturday before um, she was to move out. And sure enough, they go to this first place uh, and it's at Taramara on the other side of the highway. They walk in, it's this beautiful little apartment with the, with, with the lounge that goes out onto the grass with a little garden bed. And she goes, yes, this is the one. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I knew, I knew you had it for me. <laughs> um, and Dad was just rolling his eyes, you know. Um, but she was uh, an incredible inspiration to me as a, as a young person, seeing someone who just had this conversational relationship with God, who just trusted Him implicitly. And... And to see her prayers being answered, like her prayers were always answered. You know those people whose prayer life, you just know they, you know they walk with God because God just does what they say. <laughs> he just does it, you know. She was praying, I remember she was praying, she's always, every time I'd go there for dinner, Andrew, I'm praying for you that, that you will follow God's will for your life. And she'd go, you know, come on, let's get some dinner, come on. <laughs> she was just, it was just her modus operandi, you know. And, 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 and she'd always say, I'm praying for your father. And, and anyway, she, she ended up um, dying at 87 back in 92, just before we got married. Um, and about 12 years later, dad ended up becoming a Christian uh, through an Alpha course, which is an amazing story. So, and I just imagine she just continued to pray. You know, her prayers were answered, you know, sometimes years later, but her prayers were answered. When you meet people that walk so closely with God, they're an inspiration. And I, and I don't know about you, but I guess I want to keep learning what that, look, what that can look like for me. You know, I don't, I don't think there will be any better inscription than, 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 than on our tombstone, or at least for me, um, that, you know, Andrew, you know, lived here and born here and died here and he, and he walked with God. Like... I don't think there's any better inscription to, to, have, to have that said about us if we're seeking to follow God. And this is why this morning we're looking at Enoch, because Enoch is one of these rare uh, human beings who about him in the Bible, it says that he walked with God. Um, Genesis chapter 5. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Not, not a bad innings. I just wonder how many hip replacements he had. Um, Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Now, there's, we can unpack that a bit too. There's a, there's a whole journey there with with the way that Enoch, um, other, other um, versions called translated into heaven. Now, th- that's, that's pretty much it when it comes to Enoch in the Old Testament. There's a few little bits and pieces in, 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 uh, in other spots, but this is about the biggest section of Scripture we have about Enoch. So, Andrew, why are you preaching on Enoch when there's so little said about him? 
Sometimes there's so little said, but there's so much said. And in fact, when the author of Hebrews um, looks back through all the legends of the faith, in Hebrews 11, he lists, it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. He lists all the legends of the faith. Guess who turns up in Hebrews 11? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. He was known as someone who walked with God. He was known as someone who pleased God. And interestingly, it says that in both in Hebrews 11 and back in Genesis, that he was one of those rare human beings that actually never experienced mortal death, but went straight to heaven. Now that's only said about, two, only two people in the whole Bible that's said about. That's Enoch and Elijah. Elijah similarly went straight to heaven. And I have a sneaking suspicion about, about what, what that was about. So something else unique about, um, about Enoch is that there was only one other person uh, that's talked about as having a relationship with God where they walked with God. And that happens to be Enoch's great-grandson. Remember him? Noah. Noah is his great-grandson. And about Noah, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. What a wonderful heritage of Enoch having Noah as a great-grandson. Of course, this is all into the lineage of Ruth and then, and then Jesus. Enoch was a man who walked with God. Let's explore what this is about. What does it mean for, for us to develop a relationship where we walk with God, that it could be said about us that we walk with God? Three, three aspects I'd like to explore. But first up, this is the sermon where I, where I confess. Where I confess having tried to blow up my high school. <laughs> this isn't being recorded, is it, Adrian? <laughs> Actually, people police know all about it. It's okay. Um, do you want to hear this? Oh, maybe I shouldn't tell the story. Okay, okay. I hear the pleas. Go on. I was uh, in year seven. I hope there's no one in year seven here that gets any ideas. Um, I was in, the, in year seven and I was a bit green. I turned up to school and I made a friend called Mark Dean. Hey, Mark, are you here? No. Anyone related to Mark Dean? Okay. Um, well, Mark turned up to school. He lived up near Hornsby and he lived near the train tracks. And he came in one morning and said, Andrew, check what I found next to the train tracks on the weekend. And I said, what's that? And he goes, look at this. And he opens his bag up and it was like a stack, like 50 or 60 like train detonators. Anyone know what they are? They're these little round metal things. And I had no idea what they were, right? I'm like this green kid, you know. I'm like, what are they? And he goes, oh, they're like fireworks. <laughs> uh, I'm like, right, okay. And he goes, here, have some. So he pours half of them into my bag. 
and <laughs> because it's a bit heavy on his back. Um, and he goes, we'll have, we'll, we'll have some fun with them later. And I'm going, all right, no worries. I'm just following along. And uh, anyway, we ended up into roll call and went to first class, second class. And then we went to, uh, to recess. And I went to Kringai High and it was in, in, we went to, uh, to the canteen. And as you know, like canteen, year seven, boy, and you know, what do you have? Buttered roll with chips inside, right? So you go in there, order your, your, your buttered roll, get your pack of chips, stack it inside. It's best morning tea, isn't it? Um, anyone else have the anyone have a chip roll? Come on, fess up. Yeah, yeah, good on you, Belinda. And you always knew you were a chip roll girl. <laughs> you don't drive a car like that without being a chip roll girl. <laughs> and um, and then, then Mark goes, oh, we should see if we can just throw it against the brick wall of the canteen to see if we can make it go off. And I'm going, is that all right? And he goes, oh, it's just like fireworks. All right. So he, so he grabs one out of his bag and he starts throwing it and it's just like metal against a wall. Like it's not going to go off, right, because it needs like the weight of a train. So he's just throwing it against the wall and, and then other kids are joining in, a crowd is gathering and it's sort of landing and kids are throwing it against the wall and, and, uh, and I'm just watching, right, and then all of a sudden it lands at my feet and I go, oh, yeah, I'll grab that and I'll grab it and kaboom, it goes off when I throw it, right? And it was loud, like the, con- the, the, the canteen is like this big concrete bunker, like the size of a tennis court, you know? And so the, it was loud, right? Like these days you'd get the right squad in, right? Um, but, the, but, but by this stage, like hundreds of kids had heard the bang, they were all running toward it. What they're doing running toward it? <laughs> I guess it didn't happen very often back in those days. Um, and they're running to water, and all the teachers ran in, and and then uh, I remember there was, a, there was this science teacher ran in, and he he uh, he just he's just yelling, "Who did that? Who did that? Who did that?" And then all of a sudden, all I saw was like two hundred kids pointing like that. <laughs> all I saw was the end of the fingers of like two hundred kids. I'm going, "Come on, guys, you're all throwing it as well." And it's like to the principal's office, and so sure enough. Uh, there I was, head down, full of guilt and shame, just, you know, walking behind the, um, the teacher to the principal's office. And interestingly, a side note, when I went into the principal's office and, and he said, what are you trying to blow up the school for? I said, oh, sir, I just threw this metal thing. And he goes, you know how dangerous they are? Um, and he kept on going. He goes, do you know where there could be any more of these? I'm like, yeah, I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> And he goes, right, Pimble Police Station. He called the Pimble Police. They came up, collected me. And, and um, my dad didn't really enjoy that phone call when he heard, when he got the phone call from the police. Could you please come up and pick up your son from the station? Um, anyway, it's, it's, I, I didn't throw any more train detonators after that. Why am I telling that story? Because when you follow, when, like when you're full of guilt and shame and you know you're in trouble, you tend to, you tend to walk behind the person that's leading you. So then when the teacher led me to the principal's office, I was like walking behind him like this. And sadly, there are a lot of Christians that have that same posture. That when, when I talk about walking with God, the image that you have is this sense of maybe walking behind God. Like God's there, God's walking, but you're walking behind, probably with your head down because you just don't feel like you're worthy to walk alongside. But you see, when 
you're walking with God. You're not walking behind full of guilt and shame. You're not walking ahead trying to tell God what to do. You're walking alongside. Walking alongside. This is the the nature of God's desire for each one of us to walk alongside Him. Just think about the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God before the fall. You know, I don't imagine Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the night with Adam and Eve walking behind with their head down, following him around the garden. Do you, do you have that image? What, what image do you have of God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the night in the Garden of Eden before the fall? I just, I just had this image of them walking together, shoulder to shoulder, because guilt and shame wasn't a part of the equation. Now, things changed. We know that. In Genesis chapter 3, we read, Then the man and his wife, this is after they ate the fruit, ate the apples, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. A man has been hiding ever since, hiding with guilt and shame, not feeling like we are worthy to walk with God. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep us, feeling unworthy, filled with guilt and shame. You know, there's a big difference between guilt and shame. You know, guilt, guilt is when I go to the principal's office and I say, I've done a bad thing. I'm guilty. I've done a bad thing. I threw that train detonator. But you see, shame is I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. And there's a big difference between the two. And and. If we allow guilt to lead us to shame, then we'll never think we're worthy to walk with God. We'll be always walking behind with our head down, not feeling like we can walk alongside Him. But you know, Jesus came to deal with our guilt and shame. He came to die for our sin and to invite us into, into, into sonship and daughtership. He, he invited us into, into relationship so that we could Walk with God. In, in 1, 2 Corinthians, Paul here quotes Leviticus 26. And I think it's a beautiful verse that gives us an insight into the intention that God has for us, for the, for the nature of our relationship with Him. He says, I will live with them and what? Walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. That's God's intention. Can I invite you just as an exercise, just to close your eyes for one moment, close your eyes, and I want you to hear these words as if God was speaking these words to you. My desire is to live with you and walk with you 
and be your God and for you to be my friend. I desire to live with you and to walk with you and to be your God and to be your friend. See, that's God's desire, to walk with you. In Micah 6, 8, we read that famous verse. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I read that this week in preparation for this message and I I was struck by the word require. I just, just as I was reading it, I just, it was like a little, it was like a little speed bump. And so I went back into the Hebrew to see what was the nature of this word? And I discovered that it's the word darash in Hebrew. And it actually is translated to seek. That's how darash is translated. And, and when I discovered that, I, I reread it and it completely changed the way that this verse speaks to us. And he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord seek? Of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Can you see how that nuance just changes the verse? He seeks, he seeks to walk for us to walk humbly with him. It's an invitation that he has desired ever since he created us in the Garden of Eden, and he would, I imagine the best part of his day was in the cool of the day, just going for a walk with Adam and Eve and just, what have you discovered today? Where did you, where did you what did you see? And you're hearing Adam and Eve just go on about all the animals that they discovered and these insects and, and oh, we came around a corner and we saw this and the waterfalls and they just, you know, just... This is an incredible, beautiful relationship that they were enjoying before the fall. And that's still the relationship that God wants with us. And that's why Christ came and, and you know, dealt with our guilt and our shame so that we could get back to that. But the enemy wants to keep us feeling guilty. The enemy wants to keep us walking behind, you know. But walking with God means walking alongside Secondly, walking with God means walking in conversation. And when I met my wife for the very first time, I'm, I, I asked her where she was from and she said, South Australia. I said, where, when are you heading there? And she said, tomorrow. And so I had to work real quick. And I managed to get a number um, and her address and, and then we started communicating. But getting to know someone by letter is, isn't very easy. Getting to know someone by a phone that's stuck into a wall where your brother and your mum is sitting in the same room 
is even more awkward, right? Hi, Carol, how are you? That's nice. How was the university today? That's good. And you could just see my brother turning down the volume on the, on the remote, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have that problem <laughs> in our relationship with God. Moses was known as a friend of God. And I love what it says about Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Isn't that a beautiful image of, of the way that we're invited to relate to God? That we might speak to God face to face as with a friend. See, see, walking with God is not just a matter of walking alongside God, but it's also it's also about having a conversation with God. It's not walking alongside in silence. Right? It's actually when you go for a walk with someone and you don't say anything, it'd be a bit weird, right? It's like, a, a, like are we being passive aggressive here? Um, um, you, you walk alongside and you communicate and you share. And then this is God's desire. And back in the Old Testament days, that that wasn't that wasn't so possible for so many people. Like there was there was the there was the there were these amazing unique individuals that we hear from, like like Enoch and Moses and Noah and so forth. But for, for a lot of the for a lot of the Israelites, um, they had a mediator. They had a great high priest who would walk into the holy of holies in the temple, and and in there would be the presence of God, and he would give a sacrifice for the sin of the nation and and so forth. And so it was a very limited place where you could walk into. Only one person was chosen to do that role. But as we know that, you know, Jesus, you know, tore that curtain in two. And now we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we read in Hebrews, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. So now Jesus opened the curtain, he's opened the way so that we can actually see God face to face, so that we can actually experience a, a conversation with God. John Eldridge wrote a great book called Walking with God. If you want to take this whole concept a little further, I, I invite you to grab John Eldridge's book. I'm sure it's probably in the library. And he writes, I assume that an intimate conversational walk with God is available and is meant to be normal. You know, can we, can we normalise walking with God? You know, could, could people, when they bump into people from Northside Church, could they say, oh yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, that, that guy Bill, I, I noticed something really different about him. It, it's, it's like he walks with God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a community of Believers together where we're known for walking with God. How inspiring. Who doesn't want to be around someone who, who walks with God? James Martin wrote a, another great book called The, um, the what was it called? Jesuit's guide to almost everything. He's a, he's a Jesuit and a, he's, like the, he's like the John Ortberg of Jesuits. He's brilliant. And he writes, What makes for a good friendship makes for a good relationship with God. And that makes for good prayer. And I think that really helps us in the way that we view prayer, in the way that we view 
what it means to walk with God and have a conversation with God, that you know, look at the way that we relate to one another and, and, and take those ingredients between you and your friends and, and just bring that into a relationship with God. You know, that, that unfiltered communication, that unfiltered conversation, that, that way of being just completely transparent. And like with friends, you don't tend to try and impress friends. You know, you're just, you're just yourself. That's why they're a friend. Now, we don't need to try and appease God. We don't need to try and impress God. He just wants us to be his friend. In fact, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Thirdly, you know, walking with God is about, is about walking alongside and it's also about walking in conversation. And the third aspect I want to look at is that it's also about walking in the same direction. So it'd be really strange if I, um, if I, if I came down here and said to, to, to Richard, hey, Richard, let's go for a walk together. Come on, stand up, stand up. Let's go for a walk, let's go for a walk together. You know, and I, and I went in the opposite way. Like that's, <laughs> I wouldn't be a really good friend, would I, Rich? Like it'd be strange to go say, hey, let's walk together, but then like head in a, or, or start off close and then just deviate. And it's like, hey, God. <laughs> like walking with God is about walking in the same direction. So what does that mean? What it means is that we're seeking to walk in the same in the same direction, in the same values and priorities as, as each other. So walking with God is, is walking, is keeping in step with the Spirit. Right, you know, the passage that we just heard, in fact, we'll throw it up on the screen. The passage that we just read, uh, that was read for us in Galatians 5.22, lists all the fruit of the Spirit. And, and what these fruits are, are these, these are the directions of God's kingdom. These are the ways of the kingdom of God. Do you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Well, it's a kingdom of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is the, this is the direction of God's character. This is where He's heading. This is where He's desiring to take the world into this, into this way of of relating to one another and of, of, of growing these beautiful graces and gifts in our life. And, and as we do that, what are we doing? We are, we are keeping in step with the Spirit. We're not going in the opposite direction. So walking with God is not only a matter of walking alongside and, and, and walking in communication, but it's also a matter of walking in the same direction, seeking to keep in step with the Spirit, seeking to, to walk towards the, the, these wonderful ways of, of living and being. That, 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 that is God Himself. So if we're seeking to walk with God, but live in opposition to these ways of being, then we're heading in a different direction. Our priorities, our values are not the same as God's. And so walking with God is, is, has got also, it's, it's more than just walking alongside and walking in communication. It's about the direction that we are heading. I looked up the word, the name Enoch this week and the definition of Enoch. And again, I found it fascinating. Enoch means disciplined and trained. Disciplined and trained. And when I read that this week, the penny dropped, you know. 
because a lot of what I do outside of this season that I've had with Northside, in fact, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be in Tasmania mentoring pastors and Friday I'll be training pastors at our Bible college. Um, and a lot, of work, a lot of the work that I do is with pastors and with ministry teams and with churches. And it's all in the area of, of, of helping people develop a growing and deepening relationship with God. And therefore, I run a lot of retreats for ministry teams and for pastors. Um, and they're all shaped around spiritual practices and disciplines that help us walk with God. You see, we don't walk with God without, without adopting a way of living, a way of being. And we, and we find that Jesus himself practised these practices. So the practices that I explore are all those that Jesus himself practised. I find it strange that people say that they want to be like Jesus, but they're not willing to adopt a way of living like Jesus. So Jesus practised these spiritual disciplines. He got up early, went up to the mountain to pray. He fasted, he gave, he, he had fellowship, he worshipped, he, he, he went to the temple on the Sabbath, he, 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 he obeyed the Sabbath, he practised the Sabbath. He, he engaged with all these disciplines and practices. And now we find that Enoch is a man who walked with God and his name means discipline and training. I just find that is just the whole loop is just closed for me. It just makes so much sense. So he wasn't just someone who walked alongside God, someone who conversed with God, but he is someone who sought, you know, to, 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 to grow in the same direction towards God. And we find this also in Paul when he writes to Timothy. He says, train yourself to be godly for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. You see, you know, Paul knows also that, that this life of walking with God comes through training and through practices. Well, as we draw to a close, in 1646, the Westminster Shorter Catechism was written as a way of, of documenting important doctrine. And it came in a series of sort of questions and answers. And one of them was, what is the chief end of man? What a great question. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's a wonderful statement. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. What does it mean to enjoy God? Do you enjoy God? Do you live in fear of God? Are you following behind God in guilt and shame? Now, I think Enoch was a man who who glorified God and enjoyed God. And unless we enjoy Him, why would we want to walk with Him? So this comes right back to our whole image of God. What's our image of God? Is He someone that we want to walk with? As we share communion this morning, I'd like to read to you an invitation that Jesus gives all of us um, in Revelation. 
So I invite you just to close your eyes as we meditate on these elements. And the invitation that Jesus gives us. We read, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is saying to you this morning, Here I am. I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and walk with you and do life with you. This is Jesus' invitation. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au.